hello, hello. I am Dr. Andrea Little Mason, also known as Dr. Dula, and this is the Birth Her Story vlog. And today I am here with someone that is extremely, I just, I just think she's the bee's knees, Miss Brandy Jordan. And if you don't know who she is, I'm not sure why, but by the end of this interview, you will know exactly who she is. She's amazing. Um, it seems like she's one of those people that, that you look and you say, wait, what? She's here. She's very down to earth. She's very much just a black woman. And then you see her doing these amazing things. And today I get the opportunity. We get the opportunity to hear her story, to hear uh, how she got from here to there and all of that. But before we get started with that, I'm going to allow Miss Brandy Jordan to introduce herself however she wants. Brandy, tell the people who you are, sis. Well, you did such a good job. Um, but I mean, in short, I am what I call a postpartum care specialist. Some people might call that a doula, a newborn care specialist. Um, for me, I have morphed together my background in social work and in lactation with my doula work. And my main focus is giving people the best possible start with their babies. I love it. And secondly, getting more people that look like me into the field of birth and postpartum because we are so greatly needed by everyone, not just people who look like us because we have lots of gifts to give. And my dream in life is to find those people, create more visionaries and just have a bigger vision for what we can do in the field. And that's me. Yeah. So, so when you talk about not just us, like people need, we need to see more people, but not just those that look like us. That's what I see when I see you. You are everywhere doing everything. You do work with very well-known people. You do work on other sides of the world. You do all those things. And I would love to just hear more of your story. How did you get involved in birth? How did you, because it's more than just birth for you. You really do um, more of the other side of it. Yeah. And how did you get there? How, what was that, that like for you? So I was figuring out, so I'm from Houston, for those who don't know. Um, eight leaf represent. Uh, <laughs> from the hood in Houston. Um, and I had went away to college for my first year, 18 years old. Uh, to a little town called Beaumont, and that's all I will say about that town, because it only lasted a year, so that should tell you what you need to know about that town. <laughs> but <laughs> at any rate, it was my first, like, okay, the world is more complicated than what I thought it was. I was a little bit more sheltered than what I knew that I was after being in that town. Like, what is it that I want to do? Who do I want to be? And so I came back to Houston, um, <clears throat> started going to the University of Houston, trying to figure out what to do with my major. At this point, I'd already changed it once. And I heard about this, I listened to, I don't know, it was a, back then it wasn't a podcast. I don't know. It was probably just listening to talk radio right. uh, in 98. So I'm assuming that was talk radio. And somebody was on there talking about midwifery. And I was like, what is this old, it was like talking about this old time career that used to be, you know? And I was like, what is this? Sounds amazing. And I was kind of tinkering with, do I want to be a doctor? Do I want to be a pediatrician? And like, what is all of this? Like people can have natural birth. Like what? Um, and I basically cold called a birth center in Houston. At this point, I was 19. And for whatever reason, they were crazy enough to say, come on down. Um, and so I came on down and they were willing to train me to be a midwifery assistant. And I basically just hung out around midwives and really just fell in love with birth and got to like, see like, oh, this is what women can do. Like, 
Nobody told me that. And then I started having conversations with people like my mom who actually had four natural births, you know, but it's things that we hadn't talked about. Yeah. My mom was actually named by the midwife who birthed her. Her name is Maggie. Now she's from Mississippi, you know, and so she had a grand midwife, that midwife. So it just kind of started to bring up like, how does my work connect to my history and who I am? Um, but I was also like, I really don't want to be on call. So what, <laughs> how do I make this all work? Because <laughs> that's not, I'm not about that life. And so I kind of put it in the back of my head and was like, you know, I'm 19. Who the heck wants to have, you know, their doula birth assistant? Because back then they were calling it a monotrix. We weren't really using doula back then. Yeah. And so I was like, who wants to have a, you know, a 19 year old monotrix? Like, put it out of my head. At this point, I was moving from Houston to uh, California to finish my studies, um, my bachelor's degree, and I moved next door to the Hollywood Birthing Center. By chance, I don't believe in chances, but, and so I kind of thought like maybe there's more to this work. And, um, you know, I was working my way through college as a nanny and they um, happened to have a baby and like, you have a real knack of dealing with this. And their friends started calling me and were like, you're really good with this. And after being really busy, at some point, my mom was like, I think you should probably charge people for this because it seems like, <laughs> it seems like you're working and this could be a business. But it was just a passion for me and I felt comfortable doing it. I, I spoke the language they spoke. I spoke the language of new parents and it just felt like a natural thing. Um, and so, you know, I just dove into it head on. I took a doula training with Dona back in 2000 and one and never looked back and just dove right into the work and would work any place, anytime, anywhere, night, days, 24 hours, whatever they would throw at me, I would do. And, and I feel like that really helped me in the beginning just to get my chops. I didn't care if people paid me 10 bucks an hour or 20 bucks an hour. I just wanted to get my craft, learn the field, you know, get my name out there. And it really, for me, like really took off within like two years of just really you know, working any job, anytime. Um, and I tell people about that because I was 21 at the time. I had no children. Um, and I was uh, the only black doula that I knew at that time in Los Angeles. Wow. There was one, but she was kind of a hippie, but yeah. So anyway, <laughs> we weren't on the same, we weren't on the same wavelength. <laughs> um, and so, you know, even in my doula training, I remember them, there was a one lady who made this comment that, um, you know, you can volunteer with low-income moms. And I was like, mm, I could, but why are you telling that to me? Because I haven't heard you say that to anybody else. Interesting. And so from there, I kind of started thinking like, mm, maybe this circle of people aren't for me. And so I never certified with any of the larger certifying agencies. Um, I wasn't a part of like the networking groups in Los Angeles for doulas. And so my path was very different in that way that I never did that. I kind of made my mind up early on that I wasn't going to depend on them for jobs. Wow. You know, I wasn't going to play that game. Um, that I really needed to create my own foundation. I wasn't going to ask for a seat at the table. I was going to make my own table on my own terms. Um, and I started that early off. And I think for me, that was what was helpful because I wasn't in that circle of like, we like you, we like you, but we're not actually sending you any jobs what I see so many people getting involved in. And, you know, I don't know that it's because they didn't like me as a person, but I think people tend to refer people that look like them and that they feel comfortable with. Um, and, you know, I peeped that early enough to where I built my own thing and my own clientele um, because I don't want them to call me for jobs. I don't want to call them for jobs. Yeah. You know? um, and I think that's really what jumpstarted things. You know, what stands out most to me is just the stance that you took or, or the fact that you saw early on that, okay, they're saying this to me um, about working with low income, which is often co-work for Black, 
Um, <laughs> back then it was low income or urban. Oh, I, oh, that's right. We can't forget <laughs> urban. 2001, it was urban. Yeah. Urban. <laughs> um, I, it, and, and that's one of the things that I love about you because with the work that you do, you know, you're always telling women that they should be paid for the, their time and their talents their expertise. You're always pointing people that way. And to hear that that was your experience, that you never started um, with the frame of mind that this time that I'm spending is not valuable. Yeah, no. You know, this and is, yeah. Because I'm a terrible tech person, we have to pause because I need to get a plug before my computer dies. Okay, okay. So, okay. <laughs> let's pause one second. If you, I'm just going to run and get my chart. Okay, my, I'll push yeah. pause. Okay. Okay, okay so the whole notion of um, starting this work off, believing that your time and all of this should be compensated. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like I know, in birth culture and in all of these things, whether it's birth, postpartum, whatever, that right now, um, there, are, are, there are an influx of women that are coming into this saying, oh my gosh, I didn't know we were dying. We're dying, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. I just want to do, I just want to help. What do you think that was in you that was saying, okay, no, I need to be paid for this? I remember you said earlier, your mom was like, you might want to start charging. But was, <laughs> any, was there any was other that moment? It was because I didn't feel like, you know, I didn't know that this was a career. You know what I mean? Like no one had explained it in that way. And my thing was just like, you help people that have a need. I hadn't envisioned it as like, you know, something I would do for a career. Because also when I took my doula training, they were very much like, you can't make a living from this. You know, it can be your side thing, you know, but that was their story. Yeah. You know, I was like, I'm not going to adopt your story just because you haven't been able to make money from it doesn't mean I can't. But I think so many people don't hear the other side. Exactly. Um, they had people on our last day, I remember they had some doulas to come and speak to us who had like gone to the training and started their practices. And many of them were like, oh yeah, it's kind of just can be your, your side hustle you know, something to do part time, but you can't, you know, make your bills from it. You know, my parents were always in business on their own, um, small business owners. And in my mind, I had always just known that a business that doesn't make money isn't a business because it's not sustainable. And so I didn't go into it with that mindset. It doesn't mean you have to make a lot of money just sustaining your own personal lifestyle, whatever you want that to be. Mm -hmm. And that can allow you to do the volunteer work that you want to do and give to those causes that you want to give to. Mm -hmm. um, and so I kind of had that thought, like, I do want to be able to work for the Black Infant Health Program that they had in Los Angeles at that time. Um, but I can afford to do that because I'm able to pay for my bills and pay my way through school at the same time. And so there's that balance that I think that they weren't teaching, but I kind of just from seeing my parents in business, knowing that, you know, at the end of the day, what is the line? But we're also talking about like humans and families and, you know, social things that mean more than bottom line. So it's how do you merge those two? And so I know it's unpopular with both black people and white people for us to make money. And so it's, it's not popular to talk about that. You know, it's, it's going against the grain for our people as well. Um, and for some of the people, it's because they just have a giving spirit. And for some of us, it's because we have not shed some of that mentality that has been pushed onto us for years of you know, oppression. And so I also had to just be able to just be my own person, whether that's going to upset Black people, my own people, or other people who don't feel like I deserve to, you know, to do certain things. I love it because I, I meant to pull it up. There was, um, it was so, maybe a couple of months ago now, and you talked about 
some of your charges. I don't know. I, I guess people say stuff to you and then you just, honey, you put those posts up and you're like, listen, let me set something straight here. Let me, let me deal with something here. And you talked about what you charged and what you charged. I remember even in the, in the post, people were like, you know, there were some that were gasping and there were some, well, that's definitely not for us, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's, I think the, the back and forth and the thing that I've seen is, you know, you'll either have black people who are like, you know, well, you're not, you're obviously not serving us mm-hmm. or not looking to serve us or to build up us, capital U.S. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or you have others who perhaps it's like you said, they just like, why would you charge that for, why, do, why would you charge that? Yeah. Why are you so special that you go and you charge this amount for services? I'm so excited to answer this question. I, 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 was, I was waiting, girl. I was like, we're going to get, I, I have to make sure because, I, and I wish I had pulled it up because then I would read it. But um, I think that this is, this is one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you. I'll say this first, what I tell black women, and you can tell me how you feel about this statement. What I tell black women that are coming into this work saying, I'm here to save black women. I'm here to work with my sisters. I'm here because we're dying. I'm here, whatever. I just want to work with black women. I tell them that if your goal is to just, I'm just looking for the black women in the, whether you're talking about low income or you're talking about the, you know, because a lot of times they have that mentality too, or that thought process that, uh, that our deaths are based on income or urbanism, which mm-hmm. is not the case. Mm-hmm. But I will tell them, I'll say, now you're going to be hard pressed if that's your only clientele that you're seeking. If the only mm-hmm. clientele uh, that you're seeking, the only criteria is that they're black, um, mm-hmm. you're going to find that that is going you, you're going to, to be struggling a little bit. And mm-hmm. perhaps, I don't know, maybe that's why people say that you can't do this or that, but I've seen something different with you. And mm-hmm. I wanted to ask I'm like I need to know how are you saying how are you saying you know more people that look like us I know you have a training that you're doing and I know you have a this tell me your philosophy tell us my how philosophy you- is just really I you know one I don't believe that there aren't black women who can afford to pay whatever service that you have and at whatever fee and mm-hmm. so I'm not going to put that energy into the universe that black women are all low income so I'm not willing to sign on to that now, with that being said, there are many women of color who are low income and who need our services. What I'm saying to black women is that if that is the case and that is your goal to work with just those women, I want you to have a bigger vision. I don't want you just giving your time. I want you to open a nonprofit and get funding and grants that you can help people with $300,000 and not 30 hours of your time. And so that's what I'm saying. It's like, you know, you can do both. Some of us are going to be in the trenches, down there, holding babies, rubbing backs. Some of us are going to be writing checks. And you decide on that continuum where you want to be. And neither one is a negative or a positive. It's what, what speaks to you. Like I say, when it comes to protests, some people are going to be out in the street protesting. Exactly. Some people are going to be at City Hall writing legislation. And exactly. so you have to decide where you fall in that continuum. You know, for me, you know, my goal was to always, each step I got to create a bigger vision for what that looks like. I don't want to just be a doula. I want to change doula profession in the entire United States and the world. That is my why? vision. Tell me about that. Why, why do you feel like, why is that part of your vision to change the doula profession? Isn't it all that it should be? I mean, what do you see that's lacking? I think nothing is ever all that should be. One, it's lacking diversity. And that's partly why we are dying. Um, because we need the advocates. We need the people in the systems. When we're in systems, we change systems. 
And so everything that I've done academically has been because I know my space in that system is being a change maker. When I became a doula, I started being in the home and realized there was stuff going down in the home that I didn't have the capability to deal with. You know, folks' husbands leaving in the middle of the night because shit got hard. Like, hmm? I don't tell you, sister. Like, it's 3 a.m. I don't tell you. I'm here to, like, help you learn how to breastfeed. That's all I got for you. You know, and so that led me to go back to school and my master's in social work because I wanted to be able to address the mental health concerns, emotional concerns, what it does to our family systems, um, how to be able to properly treat postpartum depression and psychosis and anxiety. Like I'm the kind of person, like when I get into something, like I want to like dive into it deep, deep, deep. You know, I want to research every facet of like, how can I be better in this profession but with all sides? Yeah. Um, and so now I get to bring that social work background into my postpartum work. So I'm not just showing up as a doula that can help them with breastfeeding and talk about resources. I can talk about how it's going to change their family, how they can be preemptive about shoring up their marriage, how they can think about emotionally dealing with loss and trauma from previous children or births. Um, and so for me, the two-day training is great, but I'm trying to make this something where it's bigger than that. People see it as something bigger than that. They see it as a necessity and not a luxury. Because um, for many, it is a luxury. But I think these are services that we all need. And we had them before, but we've lost a lot of that information. Um, and so it's getting it back to where it came up for us, you know, as African-American women, going back to our ancestors and figuring out, you know, when I'm working, I think, you know, as much as this is in my bones, there's someone in my family that did this work and probably under bondage. Oh my and gosh. For me to then say that I'm not worthy to charge whatever fee I want to charge, to me, that's a slap in their face. And I'm not willing to do that. Oh my God. I love that you said that. I love that you said that. I love, you know, oh my goodness. I work really hard not to scream when y'all are saying like really good stuff because that is amazing. And that is exactly what I share with women. The whole notion that, there were those who did this who did not get paid, who do who did not who were not compensated, who were probably abused as they were trying to help, you know, mistreated in all of those things. And yet and still we sit here as if somehow we're not worthy to be compensated. Right, right. We're, we're yeah. not worthy. And I have nothing against, like, if you want to volunteer your time, volunteer your time. Exactly. But, you know, I want you to feed your family first. I want you to be able to send your kids to whatever college you want to send them to. You know, as Black people as a whole, we are giving people. We're used to being givers. And that's fine. But oftentimes, it's been to our own detriment. Exactly. Um, and that's how we've been taught, to give first and not show ourselves first. And so I'm, you know, my goal with women that get into this field is that, let me hear what your bigger vision is. Let's talk about that. Because, you know, if it's just, if you want to save women's lives, tell me how you want to do that. Are you trying, do you want to open up birth centers that are community funded? Do you want to change the training? Do you want to create your own training that goes national and people learn how to provide culturally competent services to women of color? So like, what are those bigger vision things? Because yeah, each of us just working with clients one-to-one -one can make a change. But my goal is that we can connect us all together throughout the United States and make big changes because we don't have time for us each to be doing our own thing. We're far past that. People are dying. Like we need big leaps and bounds and that means us coming together. And so part of why I wanted to create the National Association of Birth Workers of Color yes. is because there's so many women doing so many amazing things and we don't even know who each other are. Exactly. And like, we don't need to reinvent the wheel. You know, like I'm often telling like people who consider themselves to be allies, 
you know, the first thing I tell them is that I don't need you to create something new to save black women. I need you to jump onto what we are already doing. Um, and that's the same thing for my sisters that are doing things. I'm not trying to recreate what you're doing. I'm not trying to be your competition in this. What I want to do is be a colleague, a collaborator, and, you know, let's put our collective energy together. I know a lot about business just because I've been doing it for 18 years and, you know, in this, but there's other people who know more about policy or about, you know, medical field as a whole. Let's bring those together and create something that's going to save lives, but also to put money in our pockets because in America, money is power. And, you know, we can't fly away from that. You know, we have the power to change legislation, the power to change hospital systems when you have the ability to write checks. And so that's for me, professionally wise, why I'm so passionate about women, whatever it is that they want to do, if you want to create herbs, if you want to do classes, whatever it is, I want you to up-level that and have a bigger vision for what that could be. And that is my biggest passion for women in the field. I love that. Um, and also, like, even when you talk about, like, the two-day is not enough, and, and the, the fact that many of the, the, much of the way that this is, that the doula profession has been formed, it wasn't necessarily with us in mind. It wasn't necessarily thinking, oh, this is a state of emergency. That's what I always ask. It's a state of emergency. What do you do when there's an emergency? You don't follow the same protocols when there's an emergency. Perhaps yeah. when you, if, if everything is fine, you enter through this door, then you go da, 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 da. But right now, you know, not as if we haven't been dying, but it's just increasing. We More modern technology, more everything, more advances, and yet we are dying more and more. And so it's a state of emergency. And you're right, there has to be something more. And also, even the whole notion of what that looks like. Uh, as Black women, we have to, um, I was mentioning before, Kuti Chagalia, one of the principles of Kwanzaa, that says we create for ourselves, we name for ourselves, you know, we define yeah. ourselves. And so, like you said, if you're an ally, if a person is an ally, then you get on board to what we're doing, you know, yeah. because we're actually, we're, we are doing things. That's mm -hmm. why I'm doing these, these interviews, because you are doing amazing things. Mm -hmm. You are doing absolutely amazing things. You it's are like creating a platform, you know, yeah. like tell people create whatever platform that you want to create for yourself. Yeah. Like, what feels comfortable to you? Create that platform, because when you do, it shines light on all of us. Exactly. So, you know, I do feel the responsibility that when I walk into someone's home, they've now had a Black doula in their home. Yeah. You know, so wherever they are, if they are in London, Laguna Beach, Beverly Hills, Chicago, Houston, you know, they're having experience they might not have ever had before, but because I've been able to create that platform, the door was opened, you know, and so that's my goal to do that, is that for them to see that, you know, they are just as amazing, you know, they do have lots to offer, and not that we need anyone else's validation, but we know when it comes to those things that create generational wealth, you need to have a seat at the table or create your own. And the more that we can shine on what we're doing, shine on each other, we can create those tables. Like, I'm not looking for anyone to give me a sympathy seat. I don't need that. I can create my own table with my own seats. Come on. You know? And I feel like, unfortunately for some of us, you know, we spend more time seeing each other as, as competition. And that's never been who I've been about. Like, I'm always about uplifting other women, whoever they are. Yeah. Um, and I don't, no one can be me. So I'm not concerned. You can open up your office next door to me. I'm still going to be fine. And I think that so much of what gets pushed in, into some of the doula trainings is this idea of competition, that you got to have your business and get your Instagram going, get your Facebook. And I'm like, that stuff is all good. It does help in this day and age feel very tech. But at the end of the day, you know, 
you know, they say success is about when opportunity meets preparation. Yeah. And so you can create all this foundation and you get to the spotlight and you don't know what to say or what to do, your five seconds is going to be over. And so for me, it's about creating that craft, knowing what you're talking about, what you want to do so that when opportunity does come knocking, I'm ready. You know, I'm ready to go. Let's film this. Let's do this. Let's write this grant. Let's do all those things. And so I really just want us to like have that vision with each other about like what we want to create, even if it doesn't seem possible, know how you're going to do it. You know what I mean? Because I, when I opened my, I opened, I had a retail store, a baby store. When I first moved to LA, there was a place called the pump station in Los Angeles. And it's where you would go for all your breastfeeding supplies. They had lactation consultants. They had classes. They had a huge like retail section. And I remember being like 21 thinking like, wow, this is amazing. Like this one-stop resource for moms and babies, like, you know, be able to ask questions and get what they need. You know, I would love to be able to do something like this, but this, this takes a lot of money. Like I would never be able to do this, you know? And for a second, I did have that, like, I, I couldn't do this. Like, you know, I can't get a loan. I can't do this. And then I got to a point of like, you know, I can do this, you know, and you figure it out as you go along. Like, I didn't have any loans. Nobody was giving me a loan. At the time, my credit score was not possible to get a loan, first of all. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, and so for me, being in that space, when I opened, I did open my space, a beautiful, you know, 2,000 square foot retail classroom, very successful, you know, and it was great. But I tell people I got to that space and realized it actually wasn't my real dream. Mm. It's okay to change path. And I was making a lot of money there. But I was like, this is not, I didn't get into this work to peddle products to people, you know? Mm. And I, I love products. It's great, but it's not for me. And so I had to make this decision. Like I spent this, you know, in my mind, 10 years leading up to this dream. Um, and I'm here and it's doing great and I'm making money, but this is not where I really want to be, you know? And it's scary to change course, especially when you feel like this is what my dream is. Yes. You know, I have to sit with myself. If I have to spend time away from my children, is this what I want to be doing? And I had to say no. And, and how, really how does that work for you? Um, because you're being very, you're very modest, of course, mm -hmm. but you're an international doula. You mm -hmm. do it all over the world mm -hmm. with clients all over the world, not just here in the U.S. Mm -hmm. So the first question is, how does that work? Because I know you do some stays where you are, you're, you're you do months. You do. Yeah, so I do have a month long package. Um, so it depends. So it depends on the age of my children at the time. So, um, you know, for the past couple of years, I wasn't doing that because my little one just, he's going to be turning two in June. And so I don't tend to do a lot of traveling for the first two years of their life. Mm -hmm. um, and I have these two, two years apart. So I have a two, four and a 12 year old. Um, and so I, like, for me, again, I work my life around my, my work around my life. And so in that period of time where I wasn't, you know, kind of be able to be away from them, um, you know, I had a client that wanted to be in France and I was like, yeah, I can do it, but my whole family's coming and you're paying for it. And she was like, okay, wow. all they can do is say no, but I think you have to be willing to walk away from it as well. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And so for me, it's like, this is what I want. I said, the universe is going to give me what I want and I'm going to ask for it. They say no, then the universe, that wasn't meant for me. And the next thing is going to come. And so I'm not afraid to take that risk to say like, hey, this, this is what, if you want me, this is what it's going to take. And I think that feeling of confidence as well gets relayed to the person you're doing business with. And they're also like, well, well, okay, if she's doing all of this, all right then. 
Yeah. I think, you know, we've been taught as black people not to have that confidence because there's many people who don't want us to have things. And I get that, but I'm not willing to let them stop my spirit. I feel a responsibility to the people who have gotten me here. And so I think about the sacrifices my parents made, their parents made, like my mom was old enough yet young enough, you know, that she was at Emmett Emmett Till's funeral when she was nine years old. You know, my mom remembers having separate water fountains in Mississippi, you know? Um, And so that's not that long ago. And for me, you know, I don't feel, I feel like we've done enough, we paid our dues. I don't need to volunteer to show my worth. You know, my ancestors built this country. And so whatever it is I'm asking for is not enough probably. Brandy, 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 how does a girl from Texas with a mama from Mississippi, from the hood with a mama from Mississippi that was named by one of those old midwives get a call from somebody in France or anywhere else in the world. What tell what does that first situation look like when you first are asked to do something? Now because we can tell you're very confident in, in doing this. So I'm But I wasn't always okay I so I wasn't right. always that way. I was a very shy. Um as a younger person I was more shy. Not shy in like socially, like I've always but, been a social person. Yeah. But as far as like, you know, doing business with people and like I just observed a lot. Like, you know, when I moved to Los Angeles, that's when I was just like, oh, people have money. Like, <laughs> I was like, okay. And my mom said she remembers, like, when I was 12, like, one day for work, they had sent her for a trip. You know, she was staying in a nice hotel, so she took me with her. We had the Four Seasons. She's like, I told her when I was 12, like, mom, I'm going to stay in hotels like this. And she was like, I believe you. I believe you will, you know? And so I think I always knew there was more things. I loved books. And so I was taken away by books when I was a kid and could see myself in those places. And I tell everybody, it's being able to see yourself there. I see myself. Oh, I love it. I want to be. Oh my gosh. And they say that you can't be what you can't see, but I've always seen myself in these spaces. You know, the only black woman face that I remember growing up was Oprah. That was it. <laughs> there was nobody else, you know, it was just <laughs> Oprah. So, you know, there was no like, you know, super doula going around the world doing things, you know, for me, it was just aligning my, again, like not getting into these circles of people telling you and defining what this work looks like. Wow. Because I didn't want those outside voices when I'm already not really sure what I'm doing anyway. I don't need other people infiltrating with their own lack of confidence or their own projection of like self-worth. And so I kind of was basically on the island by myself for most of my career, um, which also wasn't great because I didn't have that pe- people to bounce things off of or to be able to like really like talk about things we're talking about now. Yeah. And so like the group for Birth Books of Color is it's for me too. <laughs> it's for y'all. It's for me. Like I just want to sit with y'all and talk and like do business because I didn't get to do that for the first 15 years of my career in this field because there was no one else that could explain what it meant to do this work and look like me. Because I remember at one point in the training, they were like, you know, get a website, put your picture up. And I remember thinking, like, I can't put my picture on the website. Nobody's going to hire me. They're going to already assume at jump that I know less than the person next, the next website they're looking at. And I knew that. But no one that was training me understood or knew that. And I knew that had to change. Um, so with little things like that. But as far as, like, the work and getting those clients, I always just strove to the next thing. And so, you know, I was doing the volunteering, was working with clients. Um, I started saying, like, what are the agencies that, you know, people who have money call? Like, what, what are those places they call? 
And I would call them and say, how do I get on with this agency? How can you send me out and represent me? Um, and I ended up going out just on one with an agency that ended up being a really, really wealthy family in Los Angeles. And from there, that one client probably brought me 10 or 15 other clients in that same echelon. And that's probably in my whole career, I've probably taken two to three clients from an agency. They've all been word of mouth. Um, you know, so really I tell people, it's not this like, you know, you gotta be beating the pavement. Like we gotta redo this way of thinking about work, this hustle mentality, which I'm not talking about hustling and working hard, but this idea that you gotta work yourself in the bone to be successful is something that I want us to release ourselves from. Exactly. Um, Cause I know a lot of people put on work and don't do nothing and still making money. So, you know, I want us to release us from this idea that the only way you make money is by working, you know, 17 hours a day. And, you know, it's not a, necessarily about that. It's one, being in the right place at the right time, having your goods and being ready when that time being comes. Ready. Yes. Being ready. So for me, I was ready. I had done by this time, I had my two degrees. I became a lactation consultant. You know, I had already worked with like 30 to 40 families because I took any job, anytime, anywhere. It didn't matter how much they paid me because I just wanted to put that on my resume because I knew when it came time, I want to be able to say, here, I have what you need. Um, so I remember my first big job was, you know, this family that had twins. Um, you know, and for me, you know, and even for now, that'd be a lot of money, but. 17 years ago, somebody was going to pay me $400 a day. Wow. Yeah. You know, I'm like 22 years old with no kid. And I'm like, I'm rich. <laughs> you know, it's like, girl, I'm rich, you know. Um, you know, and I started to see like, oh, okay, this is what's possible. So if that's possible. And I've been doing it. And I know there's more to this. And, you know, but it's, it's a balance. Like people know, like, you know, I want to make money. And if nothing wrong with want to make money, I want to have something to leave to my kids. I want to create generational wealth. But that is not why I got into the work, which is why I'm successful. You're stra yeah. you, you seem like a strategist. It's like you figured out what you wanted to do and then you scoped out the land and you said, okay. I, I, love, I love just hearing how, you know, you said, oh, you want me to just do all volunteer work? Okay, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit with y'all. Okay, wait. Oh, well, where do the rich people go? Oh, well, let me go over there. You know, where are the people that, that spend the money go? And I love that. And I love the strategy of that um, because it is so important that we, and, and, and I really think it's one of the biggest things in birth culture. It's the reason why I do um, my Sankofa Birth Ambassador Workshop, because what I found is there are a lot of people that come into birth that are not as headstrong as you that are like, oh, I ain't doing that, you know? They come in and they are faced with these, you know, even though doula work is unregulated, even though whatever, they come in and there are these guidelines that are like, okay, we do this. You, you, this is not standard, you know, practice. Mm -hmm. This is not our standards. Of, and I'd be like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and there's so many who are like, oh, okay, well, then what should I do? And oh, I will say, tell them that your ancestors already certified you. Girl. How about that? Like, you don't need to certify me. I'm already certified. So it's, you know, and I think, but again, having more of us who've been doing it to be able to say, hey, like no one told me anything. Like, I wish I would have had someone to be like, well, what do I say to these people that's asking me this? Because I got underpaid plenty of times. I got mistreated on jobs plenty of times because I didn't know how to speak up for myself, you know, or I need to pay my rent so I couldn't say anything because I needed that job. <laughs> Those are positions that I don't ever want to be in. I don't want more people to be in. And so, you know, we need to have these conversations for people to say that 
I, the universe provides. There has never been a time in 18 years where a job didn't come through when I needed it. Yeah. And you positioned yourself. You I can honestly say that. Yeah. And, and you're like, many of you all that I'm speaking to and doing these interviews with are saying the same thing. You know, it was lonely. There were lonely times. There were this, there was that because you were paving your own way. And the beauty is now like your group that you have on Facebook. Now we don't have to because there are enough people that have done different things. It's like, there are people that are like, I'm going to start or whatever. I'm like, go do it. I, <laughs> I'm just mesmerized about how compared to when I came in, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was, a, I was a bit more of a perfect perfectionist. I just finished my doctorate. Mm-hmm. So I'm accustomed, you know, I just call it haze and they had hazed me to death mm-hmm. and changed this word. We don't want you to use black, use African-American if you want, you know, you had gone through all of these things, you know, the degree things. <clears throat> and so I didn't push back much because I, 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 but I came in with my, my eyes wide open and I was mm-hmm. just like, oh, mm-hmm. we're going to be working on birth. And honestly, I didn't know that things had changed from what my grandmother's and my mom, I didn't know. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. And then we 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 are confronted with this when you think about your own personal process or whatever mm-hmm. is there a time where you shocked yourself is there a time where you did something you had an idea to do something and it was one of those things doing it afraid and it just right did it and you were like oh my gosh yeah i mean there's so many of those because <laughs> i feel like i've worked really I would say the biggest asset to my business is that I've spent 18 years on personal work and growth. And so, you know, regardless of like what I know about actual business and accounting and all those things, I've grown as a person. And so that's made me better in all areas of my life, which has then been, you know, rewarded by, you know, work success, but it's because I've done personal growth. But it, it, what I always say that my most difficult clients I'm most grateful for because they taught me the best lessons about business. They taught me how to say no. They taught me how to create boundaries for myself. They taught me how to change my contract to make it right. <laughs> Come on <laughs> now. In the same position. But the times when I felt like, wow, you know, when I opened my store and stood there and, you know, I had this open house, people are waiting outside for the open house, like waiting for our doors to open. I'm like, I stood in a place like this at 22 and said, I couldn't do that. And I'm doing this. Like I actually do, I'm doing this was like, wow, this is amazing. Um, but I think I was most proud to walk away from it. Ooh, wow. Because I felt like if you truly aren't walking down the path you're supposed to, the passion and the purpose for what I want to be doing, how does that affect me emotionally speaking? But I also think it affects you financially, that you, if you continue to do things that really aren't speaking to your spirit. Um, and that was hard. Like, you know, I was walking away from $180,000 in profits just from retail, not mentioning the work that I do with clients. Yeah. And so people were just like, why don't you just sell it or let somebody run it if you don't have that? Because that's still taking away from my energy and my spirit, you know? And so I made the decision to close that. I still run the business, but we do more of the service base that I started with. Um, and that was scary to be like, okay, uh, at this point I was actually pregnant with my third. So that means I'm going to be off of work for several months, not working. And I'm going to close this and walk away from this money too. <laughs> and, you know, but you know, like old black people say, you know, if your hand is closed that you can't be, you can't receive. Yep. 
And yeah. so for me, I felt like holding on to that came from a sense of fear and lack and not of abundance. And if you give that to the universe, it gives more of that back to you oh. is what I've always been taught. And so I said, I had to be in the state of knowing that everything's going to be fine if I'm going down the path that's meant for me. And this was not it. Um, and so I closed it. Um, I wrote on Facebook, you know, I would like to, you know, travel to visit South of France. 10 days later, someone posted, there's somebody looking for someone to go to France. And I was like, mm, okay, whatever. Lies. <laughs> Called, you know, did the email, email the lady. The lady happened to live in my neighborhood in LA, small neighborhood. You know how big LA is? Yeah. I walked over to her. She was just like brokering it for um, this actress. Walked to her house. We lived in the same neighborhood. An hour later, I was FaceTiming with the client and she hired me through FaceTime to move me and my whole family to France for six months. And so from then, I said, now I really understand how powerful my mindset is in, in my place in the universe. And your intentions. My and intentions how are so powerful. Yes. And I sat there and just like, this, is, this was created for my intention. Also, because I've worked hard and I deserve to be here. But the intentions are everything. And so moving forward, I've said things that I wanted to do. I want to do this this year. And those things have happened. And so I tell people every day, you have to write down and be specific. Because some things I like, I wasn't that specific about that one. So this is not exactly what I meant <laughs> when I said I wanted this. I need to be more specific next time. <laughs> you know? Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm just so grateful that you shared that. I'm so grateful that you shared that. Um, because I think what you said just now and what you said before regarding how we as Black people have been conditioned to believe about ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, we're all going to approach... For sure. We're going to approach life how we approach it. We're all individuals and stuff. I'm not taking away from what people feel called to. Mm -hmm. But I have such appreciation for that. If I asked you, okay... Brandy, a girl coming from the hood, what was the biggest, what, are, what were the biggest changes that you had to allow to happen in yourself, personal growth or whatever, to get to this place where, you know, because a lot of times, I mean, you know, we, you know, we can be a little rough around the edges. I don't know how you were. I didn't know you then. I'm sure you were educated. Yeah, like, you were in college. You know, I say, like, I always tell people, I was from the, I'm, I'm from the hood, but I was never ghetto. Got you. And it doesn't want to be in ghetto either because we need everybody in this world. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but as far as like, I never had that problem with like crossing the train tracks, if that makes gotcha. sense. You know, I grew up in Houston. It's the, super diverse. So I was always around people of all races, colors, socioeconomic. So I grew up with that, even though I'm from the hood, you know? And so I didn't have that, which some people have that obstacle where they did grow up never around anybody else. And, yeah. and didn't have them. So I didn't have that to deal with. But I had a lot of stories that I was telling myself based on my upbringing. Like I had the story that I wasn't good with money because I didn't know anything about money. You know, I took a good store when I came to California and I was getting my financial aid check. I went to the bank and she was like, you know, what kind of bills do you want? I was like, I'll take thousand dollar bills. <laughs> and the lady was so gracious. Like I tell people in that moment, she gave me so much grace. She didn't shame me. And she was like, we're out of those right now, but can you take a hundred? And it was like, she was kind. And, and I remember that. And I try to always give that to people because in that moment, as soon as I said it, I knew it didn't make sense. <laughs> but, you know, she was just like, you know, we're out of those. And I was like, oh, this woman gave me so much grace. I'm going to remember this forever that I'm never going to make anyone feel. Yeah. It really made me feel like a dumbass because I was a dumbass at that moment. Oh. <laughs> she did, you know, and I was, you know, 
I had told the story that I didn't know how to deal with money, that I wasn't good with money, that I, you know, and I had to quit telling myself this story. You know, most people aren't good with money. It wasn't just me. Most people don't get any education about how to deal with money or I can't do anything because at this point I have bad credit. Like I can't, like I'm not going to be able to do anything. I had so much shame surrounding that as well. You know, because, you know, Black people stereotype that we all have bad credit. You know what I mean? But it was due to lack of education, not because I had done, you know, wrong things or went on spending sprees. And even if I had, you know, we all go through those changes. And so I had to untell those stories. And that's what I've spent 18 years undoing. Because you know? I'm putting more of that into the universe. I'm telling myself that, you know, I'm good with money and what I don't know I'm going to learn more of. You know, I'm good with people. So I'm, I'm just staying away from giving myself those negative things or that it's harder for me to make it because I'm black. And that is very well maybe true, but I cannot tell myself that story. I, love I have that. to tell myself that I have everything that I need to succeed. Um, you know, and the things that are in my way, if they're in my way, then that may possibly not be the path for me. You know, it, it, for me, it's not about bumping my head against the stream. Like I can tell when things are going well because it feels good to me. Mm. You know, really am in tune with what I'm feeling, like what feels like it's flowing, what feels good. The people I'm around drain me or fill me up, you know, and I'm much more conscious of that than I was before because a lot of people want to be near you, but they actually aren't rooting for you. Exactly. They are with you because of what they think you might be able to give to them or by being associated with you, what that might bring, but they may not actually like you, may not even actually even like you. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's a lot of people that, you know, are around that probably actually low-key hate me, <laughs> but they feel like having that connection to me no. is something that's beneficial to them. And it's fine, you know, because I also believe that everybody's not made here to be my friend, to exactly. make me feel good. Um, that's not their job. But if I'm looking for it outside of myself, then that's something I need to work on. So I'm not, no. you know, worried about that. But 15 years ago, I would have been like, oh, well, this person, like, you know, when I talked about making money, didn't really like that I said that. And ah. I've before because I want my people to like me, you know, I want to be, you know, in the mix of, but a lot of my ideals about money did not it, it blend with people of color because maybe they weren't exposed to that. You know, I had the luxury of having parents that were in business for themselves, you know, and so I saw what it meant to like have a bootstrap business with no startup costs and to make things work, you know, so I never had this idea that I couldn't because I feel like you can be $5, I can turn that into something. You know, and I'm going to turn that $10 into something. And so having conversations back then at like 22 with people about like, I want to create this, create that, you know, they probably saw me as being conceited or stuck up or whatever. I don't know. And I, and I did hurt my feelings back then, you know, like that I wasn't accepted maybe in all the circles, you know, my mom was just like, everybody's not going to make it to the top with you. Mm. And so if you're looking for that, then you're going to be disappointed all the time. What, what would you say? Um, what do you feel like your tell me again what is the postpartum the specialist what do you what do you, you call postpartum your care specialist. postpartum care specialist what do you yeah. feel like this training that you have addresses that is not currently being addressed um i think it one addresses that this career is bigger than just us showing up and making somebody tea and rubbing backs it's great for doing those things, but I see our work as advocacy work. I see us as case workers and case managers. That's my social worker coming through. Um, but also just, I, I feel like I'm a healer, honestly. That's how I see myself. Um, mm -hmm. And I know where my gifts are. Like I do birth and postpartum, but my real gift is in the home with people when they have their baby, because I can speak new mom, I can speak new dad. You know, I understand what a baby's saying. Um, and I feel like I'm able to impart that. And so, 
you know, say calling myself a doula or a newborn care specialist really didn't connect with me. Like, you know, I am like, I love lavender and crystals, but I also love science. And so I don't necessarily always going to, you know, can connect with it. I'm a body worker. It doesn't really speak to who I am because I, you know, I love school. I would get 10 degrees. I got to talk myself out of getting degrees all the time. (laughs) And so what I think my gift is, is that in homes, teaching people how to connect with their children in gentle and loving ways. And that's what I want to do. Because when we do that, we're creating more people are going to put that into the world. And so clients will say, you know, I did exactly what you did with the baby. Like, why did the baby stop crying? And I was like, because it's not what I'm doing, it's what I'm thinking. I'm oh. never thinking that it's going to not stop crying. I'm never thinking that this is going to keep going. And so it's, they're picking up on that internal calm. And so, you know, calm is contagious. And so I admit that to clients and to their babies. And I mention this is because that's nothing about what I was taught in a class and training. And so you make this what it is for you and your gifts. Like that is me. This is what it looks like for me. And so I was able to change it to something. I wasn't afraid to go off the beaten path and do my own thing. And I tell people that all the time, show up as you. Take that foundation, run with it, but show up to every client as yourself because that's the thing that's going to propel you. Oh, you're amazing. I just love that. Those are those are the kind of comments I'm like, I'm so glad that this is being recorded because that that is the thing that I think um when I think about the fact that, you know, um as African American women we have a history and a past that involves birth and it and 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 taking care of women and it's not 150 years ago. It's within lifetime, within mm-hmm. the lifetime of, of our parents and things like that. When I think about that, I think, wow, you know, we have, I believe some of that trails through us, but when we get in these situations where it's not acknowledged, like in your training, it's acknowledged, in mine is acknowledged, where do you see, where do you see yourself fitting in? And when that's not the foundation, equipping you with what you would need to know how to go then and develop into your own tree for lack of better words to develop into whatever you're gonna put out into the world then i think that when we're in the state of emergency as black women um when we're trying to deal with that that is not just like oh it's a missing thing it's a huge thing that's missing Mm -hmm. because we're spending more time fitting into pre predetermined categories than Mm -hmm. we are figuring out i believe for me it's a call figuring out how is my energy supposed to go out and affect this situation? Mm-hmm. How, how exactly does, does that happen? I love that you said um, at the beginning, you said um, that when you started getting into this work, you said, let me ask my mom. And then you found out all these things that you all had not even discussed before. Mm-hmm. And I find that that happens a lot too. I'm always encouraging people, you know, to let's reclaim our birthrights, R-I-T-E-S, reclaim that, you know, get back in our places because before there were doulas and, and there were mothers and sisters and aunts mm-hmm. and grandmothers mm-hmm. that were doing this work that had that sensibility that you have. And I absolutely love that that's such a focus of your training. Yeah. Is it, is it a virtual training? Is it... So it's- um virtual so they do have like models they can do on their own like there's videos and stuff but then we have live you know how me and you were talking the same way where we're able to be in the classroom space with each other to be able to go deeper into some of those topics related to cultural competency to business um you know 
black people been doing business even when they were in bondage you know how does some of us get out of how do we get out of some people that freed themselves during slavery because we were business people from the start <laughs> and so i won't take it from any way that they from anybody that they're not able to open a business it's like if people were able to buy their freedom in slavery that yes. means you were coming up with some stuff <laughs> so don't tell me you can't bring five dollars together and make this happen you know so I, my, I, my, what I'm good at is helping people to take what is their passion and turn that into something that's profitable. Because a lot of people was have think we're working it like a hobby and you can't make a business working it like a hobby. And so part of the training is for, again, them, tell me what is the you part that you're going to add to this. I can give you the basics, but I can't teach you how to be you. Ooh. What I can do is for you to tell me what you is and tell you how to capitalize on that. Do you know how much I love that? You said what you, what you is, but I just love because it sounded like Ebonics. It was yes, right. Um, and so that's the things that we, you know, but as well, there's other people who aren't black women who take this training and I want them taking this training. So they hear from me how they affect people like me in the field, how they affect their colleagues. Like, why aren't you referring people that look like me? You know, I'm also changing the way that they're going to walk into a birthing room, how they're going to walk into helping someone with breastfeeding. Because I feel like, you know, yes, I want us to know this information, but the stuff that's happened is not on us. It's on people who don't look like us and how they're receiving us. And so I need them to change that system. And so I know that is sometimes against the grain that we, you know, that allies do their thing and we do our thing. For me, that's not where I'm at because I feel like I have the platform to be able to be in both communities. And so I'm going to use that to be able to educate them to help us. Um, and that's because I want to, not because they're telling me I need to, or that I should be doing this for free or whatever. That's my way of saving black, black bodies and moms and babies is by going across the aisle and saying, this is what's happening in your system. This is what's happening in your hospitals. This is what's happening in your trainings. That's creating great harm to women who look like me. Oh, now you, by the time this comes up, um, because I'm on my way to South Africa and I'll have to just... Yay! Yay, right? <laughs> I'm just so excited about meeting with the traditional midwives there in Southern Africa. I'm just elated. But you are well, going... I'm going to be in Africa because I'm going to be in North Africa in like a week or two. I know that. Okay, so I'm going to be in um, Durban, South Africa, mm-hmm. and I'll be speaking at a conference there. I um, saw this. Yeah, for for um on on behalf of the daughters of the African diaspora working in birth work, what yeah. an honor! Oh my honor. God! Well, <laughs> they are honored as well to have your presence at this speaking. So, and you, thank you. You're going to be in Morocco now. By the time they see this, you would have finalized all your things, I think, um, mm-hmm. all of your applications. But could you just tell us really quickly what? What are you doing? What are you going to be doing in Morocco? So Morocco, I have a week-long retreat. Um, um, this particular one is women of color, um, but I do it for different women depending on the retreat. But basically, we are going to be up-leveling birth businesses, um, spending a time focused on self-care, personal growth. So that means spa days and getting, you know, traditional. Uh, healing done, uh, learning about some of the birth practices of North Africa, um, but spending time really getting out and masterminding their businesses is what we're going to be spending that time one-on-one doing, helping each other, creating a game plan, a 90-day game plan of like, when I leave this training tomorrow, this is what I'm going to be doing for the next 90 days to make this stuff happen. Um, And so my goal is really to help people to kind of like fast track 
you know, getting their business to like a level that maybe took some of us longer because we had to like kind of do trial and error. Yeah. Uh, and so cutting out a lot of that trial and error and about like, this is what makes sense. And so I'll be looking at their businesses, you know, giving them analysis and people know I, I, I shoot straight. Yes, you do, honey. Yes. Because I love and respect you that I'm not gonna let you waste your time and your money on something that's not going to work. But again, they do what they want to do. But I'm going to say, look, this is what I have experienced and what you're showing me. These are the holes in this. Like, how does this actually make money? This sounds great, but how do you make money from it? You know, the marketing here, who is your market person? Who are you marketing this to? Because right now I don't understand if this is for me, if this is for somebody else, this is for Becky, I don't know. You know, and so it's like doing that fine tuning things and having someone to be able to look at who's done the work. You know, I'm not peddling snake oil. Like it's, 18 years tried and true this is what this is how you make a business work and that's what we're gonna be doing for seven days excellent ah and then on facebook and you have your organization there yes so we have the national association of birth workers of color um that you can join on facebook we have a private group for birth workers of color and one for allies because i do believe we need our own separate spaces and though they need a lot of education they don't need to do that learning with us because that can create a lot of harm um and so in that group it's about us being able to share things that we're doing workshops trainings um to be able to um learn from the elders in this work there's elders in there that i'm learning from every day as well and this will be turning into a membership site just like you will the donor or cap or some of these we will have resources Um, i'm connecting with some larger boards throughout the united states that would be linking to us so that when people are looking for birth workers of color they will be able to use that association for a way to find women who are doing what we do so if you're looking for a muslim you know midwife or you're looking for a black doula that they would know to come to this site to be able to find that so again again my focus is us to create that community but i want to have a bigger vision for what i can do for women in their businesses um and so that's what we're doing there excellent i appreciate you more than words can say thank you for sharing part of your journey part of your process how you think because i'm like Oh, she's a real, she, you are truly a mastermind. You are a strategist and it is so evident and the product and the results are there. And so I am hoping that those who did not get a chance to even know about the Moroccan trip, those who are interested in that they would just look and they would look to find you because it's just nice to see your posts come down the the Facebook page. It's I'm nice. hoping that people, you know, like I tell people, some people will be able to go these things and some people financially, maybe they can't, but that doesn't mean there aren't ways for us to learn with each other. Exactly. That's why I give away a lot of what I know just because that's who I am. Yes, you um, do. So, you know, my Facebook is public, so anyone can connect with me on Facebook. Uh, my Instagram is at the mom in the know, and so people can connect with me there. So I do share a lot. I probably share more about this work on Facebook, but I do have both. Um, you know, but my goal is that we just create more of those pathways with each other. And I just hope that any woman seeing this, no matter where she's at, where she's living, where her situation is, to know there is no such thing as can't, it's when. Maybe it's not today, maybe it's three years from now, maybe it's 10 years from now, but it's there. It's just figuring out what is your path to get there. You know, but if you don't see yourself there, then you, you can't get there. And, and I was going to ask you, that. I was going to ask you for a final word. And I think that was a great final word. Yeah, <laughs> I think can't. that's probably what I would say. There's nothing, there's, there's literally nothing that I have not wanted to do thus far that I haven't been able to do with a little bit of manifestation. And we get so caught up in the how, that's none of your business. Just be ready. The universe is going to create the how for you. You don't have to worry about how it's going to come together. Like there was no way for me to dream up. Like some lady's going to call me and I'm going to go FaceTime and I'm going to do this. 
don't worry about the how. Just put out there what it is that you want to be doing, where you want to be, see yourself there, and the universe will come to provide, whether that's your ancestors, whether, however you want to put that into words. Don't get so caught up in the how. You can get, you know, how am I going to have no money? And why am I going to do this with my credit? Why am I going to do this? You know, like, don't worry about any of that. See yourself there. Make preparation for being there, you know? Make preparation right. for being there. Because if it comes up and you're not ready, that was your chance. You don't know when it's coming. Is that coming tomorrow? Is that coming six years from now? Whatever the case, be ready for what it is that you want to happen. So if you want to write a book, start practicing your writing. Know what you want to you know, write your book about. If you want to be on TV talking about, know what your talking points are and what you're going to be talking about. You know, make sure your head looking good. You got to do it last minute, you know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just be prepared. You know, it takes us two days to get our hair going, so... <laughs> I can't deal with you. <laughs> so I was like, well, I gotta talk to Joe. Let me get my rap together for Andrew. Notice my wash day. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> girl, you are so, I appreciate you more than you know. You are a gift. You are causing women who run past your page. You are causing their horizons to expand every time you share every time that they see your post you they are looking and their minds are opening and they are starting to question those those stories that they've been told or that they told themselves mm -hmm. and for that i want to say thank you thank you for being willing to share and thank you for be, being willing to share here to share yourself on social media, the way that we have opportunities to connect, mm -hmm. uh, for, for offering opportunities for other women to learn from you. Those and things that- this last thing is that when yes. you get to that space, yeah. don't forget to turn around and bring other people with you. Yeah. That's the most important because none of us got here on our own. And so I feel like some people get to certain people, people know, no matter where I'm at in this world, I'm still going to rep my people. I'm going to rep the hood I'm from. Like, I'm always going to be me and I'm showing up as me. And so if you create this character or this persona in your work that you got to be somebody else and you can't get to behind you, like, it's going to get real lonely for you at some point. And so I know no matter what, I have a place in this world to go to. So I'm not leaving those people behind. And so, you know, you guys are going to do great things. We're all going to do great things. But if we can bring the next people with us, it's just, I mean, it's going to be what changes what it means to live, you know, in our skin in these different systems. And, and that's what I want to say is not to forget the people that are behind us. Thank you so much, Brandy. Those who are watching or listening, just know you will not regret connecting with Brandy. You will not regret seeing her. She will, she will just cause you to dream just looking at her stuff, just hearing her thought processes, just hearing how it goes. I appreciate you more than I can say. I thank you for your time. I thank you for having me. Yeah, it's just really good. I just love... I just love pushing like my sisters forward. It's like, y'all got to know this one. You got to meet this one. She's amazing. So thank you, sis. You all look for her information, connect, follow, subscribe, whatever she has going on. Make sure you do that. And um, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to make it out to one of these things. I wanted to go to Morocco so bad. <sighs> There's going to be many more. There's going to be many yeah, more. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you, sis. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.